Happy Sunday. <laughs> Happy Sunday. Changing up things a bit. They're uh, changing their predictions once again. <laughs> My predictions haven't changed, though. They, 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 they waver, but that's usually when the data wavers in a way that I think you guys know to, need to know about. But we're going to get into the article in just a minute. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to say the same thing I did last week at the beginning of the show. If you have not prepared for hurricane season, this is the time. Like, get your get your stuff together. It's hot out there. The Gulf is hot. The the all the waters on each side is hot. California's going to get their first like hurricane, and I don't know what they say like since the 30s or something like that. Just just be prepared. If you, I mean, it doesn't matter if you live in a house or not be prepared for something like that. So yeah, somebody said they're from Central Florida. I lived in Central Florida during Hurricane Charlie and we weren't prepared. <laughs> we were not prepared for what would happen after that. So, yep. Hello from New Mexico. Hello, Peanut. Hello, Susan. Hello, Diamond Rush Media and Fuzzy Dice. Does, uh, Fuzzy Dice and Diamond Rush. They, they, I wonder if they're in uh, <laughs> in the same area. That seems like something you would do in Las Vegas, you know, roll some Fuzzy Dice. Hoping for some diamonds. <laughs> there it goes. Look. So um, it's going to go up through Mexico. And then um, then on late today, it's going up through the United States, the bottom of California. And then it's going to end up like in Nevada, which is weird. Yep. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you guys live in uh, the California area and you start seeing a bunch of rain and stuff, let me know because I'm. I'm truly interested. I find out more from my subscribers than I do from the national news because, you know, it's all filtered out. They make it look uh, whenever the national news gets a hold of something, it's kind of like a blurb of a story. But I want I want the real story from the real people that are living there. So, yeah. Hello, Andrea. Adrene. Hello, Adrene. Andrine. Hello, Suzanne. Hello, spiritual culture, couture, spiritual couture <laughs> collection, LLC. How are you? Salty Sailor Mike. Hello from San Diego. All right. Yeah. So I, if anything, I want you guys to be prepared for that. So today we're going to be talking about what the experts are saying this week about the housing market and what their predictions, how they've changed them. We have an article that came out from uh, Fox News, I believe it was Fox. Yeah, Fox News. If Eddie wants to pull that up on the screen for me, I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> so Crystal said, you, oh, let's see here. While waiting, I've been watching your old videos. Saw one about a tree. Now I'm online shopping for trees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, was that my, um, that was probably when the one for the, the green thing. All right. So real estate brokerage, brokerage giants, predicts a tough market for the remainder of 2023. Redfin CEO Glenn Kelman said the real estate market is at a standstill. Have you guys ever looked up this guy? Like, honestly, I'm Eddie, pause right there. So this guy right here says the literal funniest quotes I've ever heard in my life. Ever heard in my life. One of the times he was blaming the shortage of workers wanting to build homes on dope smoking. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I even put it in a video. I'm like that dude literally just said the reason why people aren't building homes is because workers are smoking dope. What the heck? Anyways. All right. Let's hear what, what they say. Eddie, if you could scroll down just a scotch so I could read that. Please, sir. All right, here we go. 
while the U.S. Oh, hold on. Eddie, you're going wild here. While the U.S. Uh, home, US home prices, renters don't have much to optimism. The market right now, um, one real estate brokerage giant added another woe to this year's landscape. The housing market is at a standstill. Redfin Glenn's, Glenn Kelman said, hey, Eddie, I can't. Can you? While I'm reading, can you not do that? Thank you. Um, the claimant countdown Tuesday said the sales volume is also and is absolutely rock bottom. Bottom. The people who need to sell won't do it because they don't want to give up on their mortgage. People who normally would can't afford to buy it. So this is the thing that we've been talking about here uh, on this live stream for months now, and it's been a stagnant market for many areas across the United States because interest rates are so incredibly high that it's really difficult for like first time home buyers to get into the market and people that would sell, you know, cause they would like a bigger home. They can't because if they do, they're going to be in a higher mortgage. Most likely they have a really low interest rate right now and they would be paying so much more. So, all right, let's go back to where that was, Eddie. Uh, so buyers and sellers are a standoff. He continued. And it means that the industry is going through, going to have to a tough 2023. A new Redfin report released this month found that the share of billion dollar homes, oh, the share of million dollar homes is on a rise as nearly one in 10 US homes are worth at least a million dollars, close to June's all time record high of 8.6%. Man, I wish I had a house that was worth a million dollars. As home prices remain elevated, new construction stays struggling. As recent data from the National Association of Builders indicated, builder sentiment dropped six points from July to August. You know, the builder sentiment, I don't, this is one of those indicators that determines if home builders are going to continue to build. The thing is, is that no matter where the builder sentiment has been for the over 10 years, they still haven't been building enough homes. There's not enough incentive for them to do it. And only when they the only homes they're building right now are the really, really, really big houses. And that doesn't really help the housing market because we really need more affordable homes. So <clears throat> anyways, the combination of high home prices and mortgage rates puts the real crimp on the average home buyer who's typically moves into a bigger space. We didn't feel the effect, effect immediately through 2020 and 2022 because so many Americans have moved to less expensive cities. But now as they're moving to a return to office, we're seeing more people try to afford places like Seattle and Denver, Portland and Dallas in even struggling to do it. The CEO explained. So what we need to do is build more houses. Who has been saying that for the last four years? Me. <laughs> like, um, it's time for local governments to step up and state governments and federal governments to get the red tape out of the way and let's do our job. So I'm putting more supply in the market. And this is like one of those things they're not asking for the government to make more houses. What they're asking is for the government to like allow for people to build these houses without like the, the process to get a subdivision started to the point where they actually are even pouring the cement is so incredibly long and they can be tailored down a lot, but you know, everybody's got to have their hands in their pot, you know, in the pocket of, of these builders and developers 
to before they ever even scrape the ground. There's a lot of red tape that can be eliminated. It's ridiculous. Um, and let's say, look here, permitting times. Our builders are happy to go through, excuse me. <clears throat> Our builders are happy to go through the permitting process. That's part of the land development process, but it really doesn't need to take uh, six months to do it. Or uh, does it really need to take uh, the cost overruns? Does it need to take a revision or re-revision after re-revision? Because they'll they'll do a revision and they'll say, well, just fix these two things. And then you go back and you're like, yeah, we fixed these two things. And they're like, well, we need you to fix these six things now. Well, what about, why didn't you say that the last time? Oh, well, just fix those six things and you should be fine. You fix those six things. Then they're like, oh, you don't have enough fire hydrants. You're gonna have to put those in there too and make sure that the city will allow for that. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And he, um, okay, can you scroll down? Uh, those are the things that are slowing down construction time for this time. So yeah, they're changing it again. They're gonna say the home prices are, are gonna remain high. Uh, Kemlin expressed that many Americans will be shocked to see that a little, how little a million uh, dollars buys in insert markets. People feel like they have to win the lottery just to be able to buy a home and start a family. And that uh, is just really challenge of the American dream. So the only solution is obviously more inventory. Well, I know what Wall Street's solution is. Anybody that watches my channel uh, knows what Wall Street's solution to it is. I've made so many videos about it. <laughs> do you guys know what wall street's uh solution to it is <laughs> just um do you guys know what what i always say that wall street says is the solution to the uh crisis the affordability crisis and lack of inventory i'll give it to you in 10 seconds nine eight seven six five four three do one Wall Street solution is build to rent, where they build homes, small homes that you would normally see as like the first time home buyer home. They build them, and instead of allowing you to purchase them, they build them just to rent them out. The and they keep the the rent payment just under what it would cost for the medium price to purchase a home. So you're kind of in this never ending cycle of of renting. Yep, yep, rent it. And they're, you know, the thing is, is that they've been designing this since the last crash because they were like, they were loaded with a bunch of these houses and they're like, what should we do with these foreclosed properties? And banks said, you know what, you got us into this mess. You're going to take them. So they took them and they were like, all right, we'll just fix them up and run them out. And then they realized what a cash cow it was. And then they just started piling them up, piling them up. There's some big companies out there like Tricon, um, Bill, uh, America's Built Homes for Rent. There's, um, but you know who owns all those companies, right? Like, just name, name, uh, just think of the biggest names when you could think of investing and those companies are owned by them. <laughs> so crazy. But we all need to do something about it. So like um, last week, even somebody brought this up because they know what they're doing, right? People are, I've gotten wise to it. It took a little while, but they've gotten wise to it. So they have uh, some areas like in Ohio that have done a lot of these build for rent, a lot of the neighbors are saying no more, no more build for rent. We're not, we're not allowing it anymore. And it's not the, not my backyard people. That's not it. They're like, why don't you build houses that are for people to purchase? Cause they're even taking areas that they have, um, that were considered like residential homes. And since they're building so many houses, that's no longer considered 
residential it's considered commercial in in certain areas of ohio so they're like well can you make this multifamily so that way we can build as many of these like build to rent housing and they're saying no they want people to build smaller houses for people to purchase not to rent so good on the people of ohio i have to say yep uh christine did you see where one where the chinese companies filed a chapter 15 for on our dime you know all of these are <laughs> <laughs> like China's real estate giant, uh, uh, I can never say this name, files for U.S. Chapter 15 bankruptcy bankruptcy protection. This doesn't surprise me. Nothing surprises me anymore. This happened in August. One of the biggest uh, property developers in China, Avangard Group. I'm never going to say this right. Avangard? Avangard? You know what I'm trying to say. You can read on the screen. <laughs> Sorry if you guys are listening to this. My uh, my pronunciation is terrible. Filed for Chapter 15 protection in New York as it carries out the, its complex debt re uh, reoccurring processes. You know what I'm going to tell you too? I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a foreign investors are pulling out of buying homes here in the United States, except for one country, China. Yep, a lot of foreign investors are in China from China, and that's because their market is failing so bad. They're like, "Well, we're going to put our money somewhere else," and they put it here in the United States. They were really heavily invested in um, Canada for a while, and now they've come to the United States. So, anyways, honestly, I don't think housing prices will go down. Somehow, a reset is coming. So these prices right now will be at an all-time low. Difficult for the market psychology to accept lower prices than 2021. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I like because I always talk about the housing crash bros. There's a group of, of these dudes that get on there like, it's all going down. Did you see the builder's confidence report? It went down six points. That means it's all going to crash. And like here we are, you know, three years later, still hasn't crashed. All their predictions were hogwash, but it got people to click on the video. The problem is, and we've had this problem, is that there just isn't enough homes being built. And people say to me, well, that's hogwash. There's a ton of vacant houses. This is another thing that Wall Street does is that they hold on to vacant properties, especially in apartment complexes and condos, because then they can say we couldn't fill it and they take it as a loss on their taxes. And they do the same thing on housing. They hold on to a house like it's a stock and they don't do anything with it other than mow the uh, outside because that's all they have to do. And they'll hold on to it until they need to liquidate. That's what investors do. The, I mean, housing has become a real ha cash cow. And uh, if there's a way that someone on Wall Street can make money with it, they will. I remember years ago, years ago, my grandfather said, one day they're going to bottle up water and sell it to people and people will buy it. And here we are drinking water from a bottle <laughs> when it used to come out of the tap and it used to taste good. You know, now it doesn't. So anyway. Sounds like Christine has a cold. You know, Eddie sometimes says that I sound like I have a really nasally voice. And I don't know. I don't feel like I have a cold. I did uh, have sushi the other night and I was like this. I don't know what was wrong with that air conditioning in there, but I could not breathe. Same with us, Suzanne. Suzanne's saying it's uh, 98 degrees with the heat index at 110 in Central Florida. I think we're just about reaching um, uh, like 100 degrees. Let me... Let me go, Lexi, Lexi Lou here. Pull up Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. It's 101, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, we got a little cool front. It was 103 yesterday. So ridiculous. It's going to be like this for the rest of the week. Uh, yeah, Wednesday and Thursday is going to be over 103. This is the hottest summer that I've ever lived in Louisiana. It's terrible. Oof, the weather situation just hit 112. Yeah, lawnmower. Look at that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like this weather, you know, it affects your homes too. Like this kind of weather, this isn't normal for homes to experience this kind of thing. So I want everybody to go around their house and start checking like the, the caulking around all your edges and stuff because it's so hot. It can start like pulling away from um, the edges and everything. You know, when the winter comes around, you're going to want to check all those things to make sure. Do it now, you know, before it's too late. Um, check your weather stripping as well. Um, check all the paint around your house because this weather is not really great for paint either. So just, just look at your house. Time for a little, little cleanup. Soon as, soon as the the air whispers a little bit of fall, you know, be prepared. I already have all that stuff ready in the garage, ready to go. The Houston area is uh, seeing a drop in prices in uh, the 5K to 10K range. But that's for houses that need a lot of work too, or that were built in the 60s. But, the, you know, this is an opportunity. If you find houses that are like older, um, if you gave me a choice, if you said to me, here's a house that was built in the 60s and here's a brand new house, what, which one would you pick? Me personally, I'm picking the house in the 60s. <laughs> I don't know, like the house that I grew up in, like seems to be to be better built than the house I live in today. Forgive me, builder who built my house, but that's how I feel about it. And, uh, you know, you can always put in more insulation. You can always fix up an older home. It probably has a bigger yard than that. The house that was built in the 60s, I bet you has a much bigger yard than that brand new house. Those brand new houses barely have yards anymore. So I don't know. I like the charm of an older house. I saw a house that was uh, like an, uh, one of those A-frame homes recently. And the, the most devastating thing, these people left this house in pristine condition. I swear they never even walked on the carpet. It was it was in pristine condition. And it looked like very similar decor to like they had it in like on the pretty bunch, you know? And it was real wood paneling, not the fake paneling. So this A-frame home, some flipper buys the house and turns it into an Airbnb and painted the whole thing like the millennial gray and white gutted out the kitchen. I mean, all the charm had been stripped right out of that house. And I'm like, Ugh, I hate it now. Sometimes, sometimes it's good just to leave them alone. Just give it a little dust. I can understand a little updating, but Oh, some of these flips are <laughs> Kevin says I'm buying a home in Alaska for the summertime. Do you know where else would be a great place? Kevin, if you're really serious, Maine, there is a lot of good deals up in Maine and it's the first time in like years that Maine has seen an increase in population. It is really, it is beautiful out there. Beautiful. That's where Stephen King wrote all of his books right there in Maine. <laughs> He's from that New England area, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely stunning. And um, the, the population has grown quite a bit and, and Maine is tiny home friendly. If you guys are into the tiny home thing, they are very tiny home friendly. They're trying to increase their population because it had been decreasing for a long time. Oh, you're in Lafayette. I know that area. Eddie, isn't that where we get our boudin from? Is it from Lafayette? I don't know. Eddie will let me know in the private chat. He won't get on the, on the uh, intercom. Yeah, I would love to go back to Maine. 
It's a lot cooler. Oh yeah, Eddie's gonna let me know right here. Here we go. Lafayette. Oh, he goes to Cot, uh, Scott, Louisiana, in Scott, Louisiana. I guess that's close to Lafayette. All right. Eddie, if you have any questions, please um, put them in the chat. Just put the word question first so Eddie can put it up on the screen and then I'll answer them. Gamer Geese is the only deal I see is older homes with plumbing and AC problems. The issues are silly older floor plans that don't seem to work anymore. Well, the good thing about older floor plans is they had, they had, had to be like super wall happy. They wanted to make everything into a room, right? So there's a lot of unnecessary walls that aren't load bearing. So you can take some of those down. I will pre-warn you because I have an open floor plan house and I complain about it all the time. I will never have a kitchen that's open up to the living room, that's open up to the eating area. Because anybody that's wa like watching television in the kitchen and you're like doing all the stuff, uh, I'm sorry, anybody that's watching television in the living room and you're doing a bunch of stuff in the kitchen, you can't even talk because the TV's so loud, but the TV's loud because you're making noise in the kitchen. It is exhausting. Like sometimes if you have a bunch of people over, by the end of the night, you're like, I was screaming all night long. Never an open floor plan again. Ever, never, ever, never. <laughs> yeah, open floor plan equals noisy. Yep. And then, you know, like anything drops, you can hear it across the whole entire house. It sounds like it was like right there. Nope. Yep. This is a great screen name, bread and Gatorade. Yes, homes are have a usable lifespan. Mm. The fact that people buy them as investments is crazy, in my opinion. As birth rates continue to decline, this will uh, self-correct, but not in our lifetime. It, you know, and some people are saying um, that you know the. It's been. I don't know if you guys have seen the statistics, but younger generations are are doing worse financially than the older generations. But they keep saying, they, they, the knowers of all, keep saying that, you know, not to fear younger generations, the older generations are going to pass that wealth down to you. And, you know, like it made my brain start thinking, you know, like, oh, I guess they, if they had an older house, they could pass it down to their uh, Gen X millennial children. And I was like, well, wait a minute. If somebody's getting older, because most you know, boomers live a lot longer than generations before that because we have better medical tech, uh, technology and advances. But a good portion of them, whenever you get sick and you need like home health care, that home ends up belonging to the state. Like, because for instance, if you can't, you need to have, go to a nursing home, the state comes in and says, okay, well, you have all these assets and we're going to use them to pay for this facility to take care of you. And of course the elderly person's like, thank God I had this so I can get taken care of, but they bleed that thing dry. And it's, I mean, they will quick. And anything that was left to pass down to generations is eaten up. So just, you know, just think about that. Um, you know, if, if you're concerned about that, I strongly suggest you meeting with a um, inheritance attorney in your area and set up your will correctly. So those kinds of things, if you're wanting to protect your, your little nest egg, your little wealth and pass it down to family members to go ahead and meet with somebody like that. So they, that, that income and, 
assets can be passed down to family members. Just remember that in the future. So, all right, Lawnmower says, question, do houses become perishable if they're held on to too long? Well, if you don't take care of a house, boy, I don't, have you ever seen a house? They, it becomes perishable. <laughs> you know? Like they will rot. They Like here in Louisiana, we have termites. They'll, they'll, those Formosum termites, they'll eat up a house in a few months. It doesn't take them long. And then I've seen like the forest take over housing too. Like the nature comes back and just gobbles it all up. When I lived in Georgia, um, we had like this massive kudzu problem. I don't know if you know what this is, but it's like this giant vine that, you know, in the wintertime it gets kind of burned off and you don't really notice it. But in the summertime, it spreads like wildfire and it will cover up all these trees. Well, this one area had been covered in kudzu for so long and they had figured out how to control it. And then when they like started getting it under control underneath there, there was a house. <laughs> there was a house underneath all that kudzu. <laughs> Somebody said, yummy, boudin. I love boudin. Boudin egg rolls is my new, my new favorite thing. I love me some boudin egg rolls. And they also make um, king cake egg rolls. Those are delicious too. Birth rates is climbing high in so many countries. It's just not, um, it's just not the U.S., Japan, and other developed countries. Yeah, I mean, we we our birth rates are down here. Uh, there's all sorts of reasoning for that, but um, I think some of it is just, you know, people, even kids, they date a lot older. It's just not something they're rushing to do. You know, when I was a kid, like I couldn't wait to have like my boyfriend, and you know, like I just wanted to get started on my life. But kids are like. Today they're like, I don't need a boyfriend. They're kind of a, kind of a pain, you know. <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with that. Both my girls are like, eh, eh, I don't, I don't. I have school I have to worry about. I'm like, boy, I wasn't like that. I don't know where they got that from. But <laughs> both of them were. <laughs> uh, 2024 will be rough for a few reasons. Oh, I'm so tired, LA prepper, of living in unprecedented times. Um, when it comes to housing. I just, I really would prefer a normal market, but even when it becomes a normal market, there's going to be some Yahoo out there that just decides that they're going to make it sound like it's all coming apart. You know, there's always somebody that tries to find some fragment of bad news and make it into this big deal. Um, if, if the job market collapses and we have a record number of job losses, that's when we'll see home prices start to drop because what will happen is that people are going to be forced to sell. And when people are desperate and forced to sell, they'll take less for their homes. My worry is who's going to end up being the ones that are scooping up those homes. Is it going to be the average um, single family, you know, own homeowner, you know, is, or is it going to be like some big investor on wall street that's scooping up those homes? That's my biggest concern. That's, that's what I, I worry about. So if you have a question, please put, drop it in the chat. Eddie will go ahead and put it up on the screen. If you have a, an awesome comment too, Eddie will put it up on the screen. <laughs> Somebody said this. Uh, unprecedented job losses. Yep. It'll be unprecedented. That's all right. Um, question. I'm a home inspector and builder. Our market is slow because there's no supply. Your area so we've gotten a little bit better here, uh, here in Baton Rouge. We have a, we've increased supply. Um, there's like, things are still moving. Don't get me wrong. Um, 
but we don't have as much selling because of the fact that there it's not really under that umbrella of affordable. Um, but if you have an affordable home, it's going to sell. It's going to sell. It's going to sell. We just didn't. And we never have had a market where it all fell apart. Uh, after Katrina here in Louisiana, in, in Baton Rouge, we had a huge uptick. That, that happened to have, fall in line with the big uptick of housing, um, people buying like crazy anyways. And nobody could really purchase homes down in New Orleans because, you know, everything had been flooded. They were forced to go up, you know, higher into the state. So Baton Rouge had a huge increase. Then the, you know, the whole financial crisis happened with the, the loans and everything. Even during that time, um, where more people were going back home to New Orleans and everything, our market never, never really suffered. I did my fair share of like short sales and I did, you know, some foreclosure homes, but we never saw the housing market tanking, you know, like it was never totally in the ground. There were some few weeks that I was a little worried though. I'm like, this continues, we're in big trouble, but it always worked itself out. And then by the spring, after a couple of years, it was totally fine. We never had a market that just completely collapsed here. Um, now, on the other hand, I, I had moved from Orlando, Florida during that time, bought the house for 135,000. And then we sold it for like two, 230,000, which I was like, cha-ching. And then the guy who bought it, it had gone down to like 128,000 at the bottom of the market in, in Orlando. This was crazy. I mean, I was like, oh my God, I feel so bad for that guy. He apparently like redid his mortgage. So he didn't have to owe the whole 230. He like readjusted his mortgage with the, he made a deal basically with the mortgage company. And then, um, but he ended up later on down the road, ended up selling that house for over 200,000. So it, it always bounces back. So, you know, people say they'll jump out of their houses and they'll be like, I, I just lost $30,000 on my home. I'm like, well, what did you buy it for? I'm like, they're like 200,000. I'm like, houses here are worth 280. He was like, yeah, but you know, they, they just went down 30,000. I'm like, you didn't lose anything. You're not selling it. You're not, you didn't lose anything. You're just, it's all imaginary numbers until you actually have to sell it. So I wouldn't worry about it. If you're thinking about buying a house and you're wanting to stay in the house for at least 10 years, if you, if you're worried, you know, like it's not, it's all works out. You're not going to, you're not getting the, a terrible deal because in within 10 years, it's all balances out. You know, if you overpay now, it'll be fine in 10 years anyways. Um, anyway, let's go back to, back to the questions. I was just, <laughs> I was just talking to somebody on the phone about this. I'm like, if you're going to sell it within three years, don't do it. If you're going to sell it within five years, don't do it. But if you're going to hold on to for a house to about, for about seven to 10 years, go ahead. You know, you're going to be fine. It all works out. Uh -huh. Peter says, um, what percentage of homes are owned free and clear now? I know it was on its way higher uh, before 2008. I think it's 42%. Eddie, if you could pull up that statistic, I would really appreciate it. But uh, it's a good portion of the United States. It's a lot. Uh, U.S. has the third lowest percentage of households. I think my I think it's getting cut off. Maybe not. Uh, the U.S. has third lowest percentage of households that own their homes without mortgages. It has the third lowest percentage. What does that mean? Percentage from what? Uh, free and clear home ownership. Oh, is it, oh, from other countries compared to other countries. I mean, all right. 
Lithuania has the most, the Slavic Republic has the second. Hungary has 68%. Slovenia, Poland, Greece. Latvia, Latvia, I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm so sorry. Italy, Estonia, Japan, Spain, Chile, Ireland, Portugal. <laughs> oh my God, we're way down on that list. Where are we? Even in the United Kingdom, there's more people that own. It was, I thought it was way higher than that. Canada, only 28%. 23% of Americans own their home outright. But do you really ever really own your home outright? You still got to pay property taxes on it. You still got to pay those HOA fees. It's never really all yours. Hey, did you know? This is no joke, right? So say you you haven't paid a mortgage. You you know, like your mortgage has been done for the last like, you know, 10 years. And then there's some like clerical error and the HOA has forgot to charge you for a few years. Do you know that the HOA can foreclose on your home? and sell it at auction at whatever price they want to. And there's very little you can do to get that house back. I mean, it will go through the courts for a very long time. And in the meantime, the person who brought it at auction owns your house. And then if they pay on the taxes all that time, it could like say it takes five years. Well, the judge can say, well, they've been paying the, the property taxes for the last five years because they now own it because of the auction. So now it's their house and then you get kicked out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that happening? It's true because that happened to a guy who um, went overseas. He was you know, fighting overseas and he had everything set up on automatic payment, everything because you know, he's overseas. And for some reason, they got met, mis mixed up with the HOA somehow and the guy's house was sold at auction and he's like suing them. Insanity. Yep. So uh, question, most older homes have a remodel, uh, have been remodeled inside for selling. How can a buyer find out if the electrical plumbing rotted uh, framework, et cetera, has been re replaced? So in here in the state of Louisiana, I don't know where you're at. They have to fill out a property disclosure form that lets you know exactly what's been done to the house. Um, you can also ask for their like work orders, um, or their, the people that actually fixed it, you know, their contractors. And if you're worried about like specifically the plumbing, this is what I would tell you to do during your inspection period. I want you to hire a plumber to come out there and give you an inspection of that, the plumbing in that house. And then when you have, uh, if you're worried about, um, anything electrical, you hire an electrician to come in and look at everything in the house, make sure the panel's correct, to make sure everything, you know, all the sockets are correct. Yes, you can hire a home inspector, but if it's been flipped, you want you want somebody like that, that is their only job, it's just electric. And so they can detail all the things that are incorrect with that. A home inspector, they do a great job, don't get me wrong. I love my home inspectors, but a lot of times they'll say, in the report, you know, these are the things that I have identified, you're probably gonna wanna have hire an electrician out there. If it's a flip home, just go ahead during that inspection period and hire an electrician to come out there to give you an overview as well as your regular home inspection. If you're worried about um, foundation issues, just go ahead and hire a um, like a foundation repair company to come out there and inspect the foundation ahead of time. Especially if you're going there when you see when you go there and you start seeing like little cracks and you're not sure if those are just hairline cracks or they're structural cracks. Um, just go ahead and hire those people during your inspection period, have them all come out on the same day and go through that entire house. That's what I would do.
Um, usually the uh, inspections from like the electrician um, and the um, like even anybody that's with the HVAC, it's very, very, very small. It's not, it's not very expensive. Some of them even do it for free. Not all, but some do. So it's just money well spent, especially if you're investing, you know, over $400,000 on a house, you might as well have those inspections done and done by the professionals. That's my opinion. Cause you know, those flips, man, I've seen them. I've seen them do like some really weird stuff. Like uh, I was in this one house and um, there was a hole in the um, under the sink. And instead of like covering the hole, what they had done was they had taken painters tape and painted the whole inside of the cabinet and, the, and then they put like a bunch of towels in there thinking that we wouldn't, we wouldn't notice, but the whole house was staged. You know, everything was like kind of fake, you know, fake flowers and everything else. Why would they put towels under the sink in the master bathroom? Like that was just so weird. Like nobody's going to put towels in a staged home. Like this is so bizarre. They weren't on the counter. They weren't on the, so he, the inspector was like, hold on a minute, pulled these out. And he's like, he stuck his finger right through it. He's like, this is tape. <laughs> And the tape, I mean, the hole was like this big. I, I, I've seen them like, like move washing machines. Um, uh, like they, they won't anchor the uh, dishwasher to the cabinetry. Sometimes the cabinets aren't anchored to the wall. Um, they put windows where they shouldn't. Uh, they'll paint over like holes. I mean, they, some of them do some wackadoodle stuff. <laughs> yeah. So any other questions that you want to put on the screen? I would greatly appreciate it. Diane has a question. It says, your thoughts on removing wall and installing pocket doors between the kitchen and the dining rooms. Oh, I love me some, I love me some pocket doors. If you have the space to do it, right? Uh, there's, if there was a place, there's no more places in my house where I can put pocket doors, but everywhere I could put a pocket door, I did. <laughs> I have a one, two, three. At three pocket doors in my house. And it was because I could put them there. I love me a pocket door. Anything that saves space, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> they're good. I, the only thing I think I hate about them is they kind of like, they're a little rocky. So when like the, the air conditioning comes on, this is just me being so nitpicky. When the air conditioning comes on, the, the sound of the door starts rocking back and forth from the air conditioner. That sounds so trivial. <laughs> Boo-hoo, Christina. Man, sometimes when I come out with stuff into my mouth or the things that annoy me, I'm like, golly, I'm, I'm an awful person. <laughs> I'm so terrible. I can't help myself. <laughs> All right. There's something I want to put on the screen, Eddie. Hold on one second. I'm going to put this on the screen. Gerald said, uh, Mr. Smallhorn, have you ever thought about doing a radio show named Christina Sm the Christina Smallhorn Real Estate Show? No, I actually take this show, I actually take this show, um, take all the audio off and put it on as a podcast. I do that. Eddie's going to show you. Yeah, I put it here and uh, you can listen to it on, on the way back. The only thing I, I, I need to really consider the fact that the people that are listening can't see the screen. So I'm trying to like, I, I'm trying to really think about it that way, you know, <laughs> because they can't see the screen. And I'm like, oh yeah, look at this chart here. They can't look at the chart. They can't. They're listening. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get better at that. I'm going to get better at that. I'm trying to get some uh, sponsors to the show too. Um, 
the AdSense on YouTube isn't as good as it used to be. So I want to like a home security uh, sponsor. I'd like to have a, a sponsor for my cups. <laughs> What's the sponsor right cups? Yep. Uh, Miriam says, uh, question, have you ever uh, have you ever had or known a buyer who needed to enact a specific performance on the seller who dragged their feet while under contract? If so, could the seller be ordered to pay the buyer's closings? Every state's going to have a different law on this, but I'm going to tell you the saddest story that I've ever heard. Uh, when it came to a closing. So this guy, he had gotten divorced. He had no choice. He had to sell the house, um, you know, and he was just going through it and he was kind of dragging his feet the whole time. So the client, the buyer was like, look, you know, we're closing on this day. You're going to show up. The, the first time the guy didn't show up, the second time he showed up, he was forced to show up. And um, what they, what he had done is every time that the, the buyer said, okay, look, I, I noticed you haven't packed up anything in your house. For every day that you haven't closed, I'm going to have the title company withhold X amount of dollars, and then you'll get your check once it closes. So it took like, I think another like six weeks. So he was paying per diem per day to stay in that house until he actually got their stuff removed. Fast forward, moving company comes in there, everything's out. This, the buyer says, okay, you know, that's fine. Everything is out of the house. And so the next day the buyer is going to move in When he goes to the house and it's really dark and he just felt like something was wrong. And, uh, the seller didn't make it after that. He, uh, he got so depressed. He didn't make it after that. And so then they had to, you know, the family members had to clean up the whole entire house and it was a real mess. That was, that was one of those ones that always sticks with you. Um, cause you just never expect something like that to happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can, you can sue for specific performance. You can work that out with the uh, real estate attorney. You can sue them per day, per DM per day. Um, you could, uh, there's all sorts of ways you can handle that. I don't know if it will cover completely your closing costs because that would have to change the closing documents. There's other ways you can handle it. So that way, uh, they're, if they're dragging their feet, you can get your money. Well, that was depressing. Way to go, Christina. Bring a bummer down to your old, old crew there. <laughs> so fun. Leave it to Christina. So cheery, man. Um, so REOs in our market have flown off the market forever. Um, we, we actually had a shortage for a while. We have two brokerages here that are really big on doing those kinds of properties and only those kinds of properties. And, um, then, uh, they, they picked back up this year, but we're still not seeing the amount that we used to. Um, I predict those are going to increase, but you know, anytime, anytime that like, People are given forgiveness to not foreclose, you know, <laughs> it takes a while, it takes a while, but they'll, they're, you know, it's, it hasn't been, we've not seen an increase of, um, any kind of like foreclosure or repossession type properties. I will also tell you that, um, we have not seen, like, it just finally went back to the numbers that it was pre COVID of, um, foreclosed properties. Most of us, even if there was a huge increase in foreclosed properties, most of us will never see them 
because what happens is that the banks want to unload them at once. They sell them as a package to bigger investors. And then what do the big investors do? That's right. They run them out. They run them out. 341 watching. Show some love with some thumbs up. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Debbie Brady says, uh, have questions. Did you, uh, did the state have to complete the sale? Well, he had already signed all the paperwork. So at that point, um, I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to the story I just told. At that point, the, the sale was done. He, he had signed all the paperwork. Everything was completed. Um, and technically, technically, the buyer would have had to clean that up because it was his home. It was in his possession. The seller's family was kind enough to clean it all up and have it all taken care of. Um, so he was, the buyer was able to move in uh, like a week later after that. So it just really stunk because he was in an apartment at the time. And, you know, apartment complex were like, we've got people that are moving in. You got to get out. Yep. Hey, hey, Anthony. Nice to see you. Thanks for stopping in. I appreciate you. It is terribly sad. It was like, that was probably the saddest thing. It's like, how do, how do you handle that? It was, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was just, I don't know how to. I'm not very good with those kinds of things anyway. And um, I'm one of those people that I just don't do good. Me and death don't get along really well. I don't know how, I don't know what the correct way to handle it or what to say. I always end up saying the wrong thing. I'm just not good. Not my thing. <laughs> Anyways, not sure I cut the whole story. So the seller passed. Yes. By his own hand. You know, he, uh, he was, he was obviously very depressed. And the weirdest part was, this is, the, this is the strangest part. The buyer, when they met the seller for the first time, told me, that guy is super depressed. I'm concerned he's going to do something to himself in that house. He told me that. <laughs> he had said it for weeks ahead of time, for weeks. And he was like, this is why he's dragging his feet. This is why he's dragging his feet. He recognized it right away. It's like they, they had like locked eyes and they, he knew he like read into his soul. And then it happened. He was like, I told you, I knew it. I knew it. So crazy. Yeah. I don't recommend that. I can, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. If it, if it was my own death, I would handle it just fine. I'm not even thinking about it afterwards. <laughs> Promise you. I'm on a, on a new adventure and I'm always all in for a new adventure. <laughs> yeah, Noreen, that's terrible. I'm not sure I'd want to buy that house after that type of incident. I was concerned too. Um, there is no law in the state of Florida um, like there is in some other states. Like if you, if someone has, is no longer with us, and it was happened by like certain circumstances. In some states, you have to tell the future buyers. In other states, it's not a law. Like here in Louisiana, you don't have to tell anybody if anybody passed away in the house. But um, I think I think in New Jersey you do, and I know in California you do. And then in in New Orleans, like people want to always have their house like listed as a haunted house because they get on the haunted house tour, you know. But it's a whole process. You can't just get on. You just can't get on like the haunted house tour, you know. <laughs> like, so, 
You guys got to give me some questions here today. Um, the other thing, uh, the reason why they don't make you disclose that, by the way, is here in Louisiana, they say that if someone has deceased in the house, it doesn't pertain to the house itself. Like the structure of the home does not change because someone passed away in it. Um, but in other states, look, they look at it differently. And I kind of agree with that. I mean, just because someone is no longer living and that happened inside that house, it doesn't make the house, the walls, the, the foundation, the ceiling, any of those things will still work in the same condition that they did before the guy or person passed away. So that's the reason why that's not a, <clears throat> that's why here in Louisiana, it's not a, a law that they have to disclose it. All right, let's show this. Uh, the hedge fund purchase, uh, the hedge fund purchase of my home at auction, both Wells Fargo and hedge fund refund refused to work with me. I was willing to uh, cash in for 40, my 401k and they wanted 1 million for me because of the amount of lawyer fees. Oh, PJ, P, PB and J. So I had a friend of mine who was in 2008 that was totally behind on their mortgage. And they were trying to like give partial payments to their mortgage. They would turn them in and they refused the payment. They would actually refuse it. So, I mean, it, they would go back and forth, back and forth, and they were going to sell the house on at auction. Luckily, he was able to cash in his 401k to pay off the whole entire balance that he owed back with the penalties. And even then, they were trying to fight him paying it off because the hedge fund wanted them, wanted that house for some reason. There was like, a, they ended up dragging their feet on the whole thing. There was so much paperwork, but he continued to pay his mortgage on time. It all goes down to the courthouse and the judge is like, no, he's paid you in full. You know, he's paid the penalties and he's been paid on time. It's his house. You can't take it from him. So that happens too. Sometimes, occasionally the little guy wins. It's rare. It's rare, but they can win. <laughs> yep. Question, have you ever been to a house in Delphine Lala Larue in the French Cotta? No. Are you talking about the haunted house that uh, where they filmed the, the, are you talking about that haunted house that where they filmed um, the American Horror Story? I haven't been in it. No, I've seen the outside of it. I've walked around there a thousand times. Um, I've taken the trolleys and everything else. Some, some of the some of the story, uh, touristy stuff I don't go to, but if you ever come down here in, um, there's like, there's tons of like plantation houses and you can feel, it can feel pretty creepy. There's one, um, there's a, what's that plantation house by our, uh, up towards, uh, Ascension Parish, Eddie, is it, um, Plantation Oaks? I think that's what it's called. And they have a, they have a, um, haunted house tour so you can go at night and they put out all these creepy porcelain dolls and stuff <laughs> highly re recommend they say there's a little girl that haunts haunts that house the that plantation a little girl walking upstairs and you can hear her little footsteps at night <laughs> so all right here we go this is a good question this is what about tax incentives for home sellers to sell only to owner occupants for first-time home buyers could that work i've suggested that i mean i've said it out loud that doesn't mean i get anywhere no one's been listening to me i've i think that's a great idea so the shortage of homes is a problem 
And but years ago, you guys would probably remember this. Whenever they could, there are so many houses on the market. They were giving first-time home buyers incentives to purchase, and they were giving them like ten thousand dollars to purchase a house. I mean, six thousand five hundred dollars at one time. If you took it the first time, they made you pay it back. But the next times, they didn't make you pay it back. Um, that worked out really well. That could be a way to incentivize home sellers to sell, and because they could get a tax incentive at the end of the year. Um, because they sold to an owner occupant. I think that's a fantastic idea, but I don't make the rules. If I did, things would look a lot different for everybody here. You know, a lot different. <laughs> it says, oh yeah, the home, home, homeless house, homeless house. Yep. That's it. That's it. Homeless house. Thank you for reminding me, Eddie. I could not remember. I thought it was like, I don't know why I was thinking. Maybe that's the wedding place. The other place is the wedding thing place. All right, everybody, if we don't have any more questions, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap this up. Oh, Peter's got a question. He came in at the slide here. How long can an interest rate keep going up with the impacting uh, nominal pricing? How long can interest rates keep up? Well, the thing is, you know, all of this, the Fed, all of this, it's not to help us, us little guys. It's to help big businesses. So they're just seeing how long they can push us to see how long, how much we can tolerate. They say they're tampering, tampering down, tampering down. Uh, every time he says that, I'm like, <laughs> Jerome, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know how long. I, I, I wish I had a magic ball to tell you how long. I don't know what numbers they're looking at because any time that inflation happens, all it does is help, does not help the little guy. It really does hurt um, with the shrinking middle class and uh, low-income earner, wage earners. That's who that's who gets affected the most. I went and bought groceries the other day, by the way. Oh my God, ridiculous. I was like, this was $81. And I said, Eddie, we're gonna go shop at Winn-Dixie. He's like, oh, it's worse there. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I found like an old um, receipt that's in my purse because I'm one of these people who keep my, my receipts forever. And I'm like, the same amount of groceries were like 40% less than they were two years ago for the same amount of groceries. Ridiculous. Anyway. Anyways. All right, everybody. If you guys want to listen to this on uh, on your way home, on your way to work tomorrow, you can always listen into it on anywhere you get your podcast. Just go look for Real Estate for Everyone with Christina Smallhorn. And um, if you are looking to get a uh, referral for a uh, real estate agent in your area, you just can go to my website at christinasmallhorn.com. Go ahead and fill out that referral form and I'll connect you with one of my personal real estate friends. I got lots of them all over the country. If I can't find you one, I'll tell you too. If I don't know somebody in that area, I'll just say, I'm so sorry, I can't find you anybody. I don't know anybody in that area that I can personally recommend. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have done that a few times. I've gotten some ones that are in some remote areas of Texas. And I'm like, I just don't have any friends out that that location, but I'm connected with thousands. So I'll, I'll gladly help you. Another thing too, if you guys happen to have a real estate friend in your area that is looking to get into YouTube, my friend Joe Eves and I have started a YouTube real estate course that we help real estate agents make their own YouTube channels just like this one. So let them know, pass it along to them. It's the real estate video geeks, real estate video geeks. And yes, I'm the main geek. And I even do this thing where I go. <laughs> so.
<laughs> yep. Oh, PB and Jay's got another one. It says, how does the Wells Fargo uh, change a loan from a government loan, Fannie and Freddie, to a non-government loan? That is for a lender to answer. I do not have the answer for you today. I'm so sorry. All right, everybody, you have a great week. Stay ahead. Don't don't let the the media get in your head because a lot of times when they're saying uh, all this stuff about home prices collapsing, it's just for you to click on the news article and then read into their news article. It's not true. <laughs> home prices are not collapsing. So, all right, everybody, have a great week. Talk to you soon. See you next Sunday. So long. Bye. -bye. Oh, and he's got the music on. Look at this. Jam out. Ooh, I like this. You gonna dance? Are you gonna dance? I want you to dance.